Amen. So let's dive into the message. And the title of our message today is Mother's Day. It's the Mother's Day message. And so let's, let's unpackage that first point before we read the couple of scriptures out of Genesis. So what we're going to do is that we just watched that video at the tail end of the video announcements. We are going to give you, I'm excited, we're going to dive into the Word of God. We're going to give you six biblical types of mothers. Mothers directly from the Bible that we can, we can read about, that we can look at, that we can learn from, that we can glean from, that really can encourage us uh, mothers. We can encourage us even fathers and just children of the faith to, to say, you know what? God sees and hears and loves and cares for all mothers. See, God created man and woman, right? We're equal. And so today, as we, as we learn about mothers and uh, we're going to open God's word, we're going we're to see just, just the amazing revelation in God's word of, of six different types of mothers. So let's look at that first point. So the first mother, who, who knows who the first mother is? Where's all the Bible scholars? This is an easy one. Who? Eve. There you go. You got it right. Put it in the chat. Eve is our first mother, right? She's, we're going to call her the mother of all living, and we're going to package that thought together. She established value and worth. Y'all say that word with me? Worth. For every mother as a giver and carrier of life. The first woman came from a man, but since Eve, all mankind has come from a woman. A mother's womb is the incubator of life, nourishing, caring, and cultivating new life. God ordained the, the, the mother, the womb of the mother, to be the safest place on earth. Can I get an amen? Isn't it sad and scary that over time and evilness of men and the introduction of abortion has become one of the scariest places, right? God's plan and favor has not changed. And thank God for mothers that say yes to life. That's a sacrifice. And that's what amazes me about mothers. It's a, it's a, it's a, I love this baby more than I love my, my plans. Some mothers in this house have sacrificed their college plans, sacrificed their, their dreams, their work plans, their sleep to say, not my will, God, but your will. Not my life, but this baby's life. And so that's the most amazing, precious gift. I believe it's one of the most powerful things that God gave women the ability to do, to receive seed, to grow that seed, and to release that seed into this place. As I shared about catching my first baby boy, Xander, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen or witnessed in my life. The precious fragility of brand new life. And before Eve... It was just Adam. Adam means first. God made Adam first. But guys, that doesn't mean you lord over women or you lord over your wife. God created Eve from Adam. And ever since then, all life, say it with me, all life has come from woman. Amen. And I'm thankful. And I'm thankful that, that God said and that God spoke, and that God did. So let's read, let's read the account. Let's read Genesis 2.18. Then I want to give you verse, or Genesis 3, chapter, 20, chapter 3, verse 20 also. So it says, Then Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make you a helper. Y'all say that word with me? Helper, who is just right for him. Can I stop and preach for a second? Men, no matter what you think, you need a helper. 
The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds favor and good things with God. So this is something that I'm challenged in doing. And guys, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. When your wife is trying to help you, she's not trying to correct you or tell you that you're doing it wrong or doing it right. And my wife, she, she tries to help me all the time and all sorts of things, especially when I drive. She loves to help me. And, and the spirit of pride wants to rise up. And in that moment, I got to do better. Because you got to see, guys. You know what? And I love Mother's Day and I love mothers. But as a pastor, it's very challenging because I feel like I'm kind of an imposter in some ways because I'm not a woman. And so I'm trying to preach from a woman's perspective today, but I feel like this is on the money. Guys, we got to do better at seeing that she's a helper because that's how God made her. That's part of who she is. She is an innately shows her love by trying to help. And then when you, it was just you two, right? When the love was just lovey love and just you two, right? Everything was just love and lovey love. And then now you've added kids into the mix. And so how she helped you and now ratchet that times 10, she wants to help her babies, right? And so we gotta, we gotta cultivate that. We, we, we got to stop trying to strong arm that and cultivate that in, in our wives and in, in our spouses because being a helper is exactly who she's called to be. And guys, we need some help. Amen. Look at Genesis 3.20. This is after God made Eve from Adam's rib. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother. There it is. Underline that word. We're talking about Mother's Day. Mother's Day. She is the mother of all living. Name his creation, and he honored Eve by naming her the mother. That's what Eve means, the mother of all living things. So guys, let's be like Adam. Let's honor our mothers, let's honor our wives, and celebrate them more than just one day a year. I hope you don't just buy your wife flowers one day a year. I hope we don't just tell her thank you for making dinner and washing your dirty socks one day a year. I hope you celebrate her, honor her, and lift her up. Just as Adam did, he honored her because he understood the value and what it meant to be the first mother. Your wife is the mother of your children. She birthed your kids into this place. Can I get an amen? Amen. Look at that next, that next point. The second type of mother we're going to look at is Sarah from Genesis. Abraham's wife, Sarah. And so she represents the promised mother. She reminds us that God's timing is perfect and nothing is too hard for God. God keeps his promises. Just as God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many nations, we're going to see that God changed Sarai's name to Sarah because he had a promise, a plan, and a vision for her life. And you got to know, here's a word to the wise, God's timing is always, somebody say always, always, perfect. Now, God's timing is not always now. See, God's promise was for her to bear a son that the lineage of favor and grace and the leadership of the nation of Israel would, would come from her. But that meant she would have to wait 90 years for it to manifest. Can you wait 90 years 
for that Holy Spirit, rhema word spoken over your life, can you wait, if it takes 90 years, to see it manifested? See, because we, we live in a world where we've turned Christianity into like this fast food realization, right? Man, I believe I got a word. I prayed. I prayed for like a week, a month, a year. Nothing. God's timing is always perfect. It's not always now. So let me spiritualize this. I know we're talking about mothers, but it, did you get a word over you personally, for your family, for your business, for your ministry? And if you have yet to see it manifested, do not lose hope. As we read here in a moment, if God could con conceive a baby through Abraham at 100 and Sarah at the age of 90, why can't he manifest that blessing now over you? He's the God of impossible. If he can do that, why can't he do that in you, over you, now? Mothers, whatever you're going through, why can't he do that now, over you, today? Let's read it. Genesis 17, 15 through 19. Then God said to Abraham regarding Sarai, Your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, but her name will now be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become a mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed low to the ground, and he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how could Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Can I stop and pray for a second? As you're in the waiting place... As God has spoke and you're waiting for God's timing to manifest, do not try and help God do his job. If you know the scriptures, you know that that's what Abraham did. He, he heard the word of God, but he doubted the word, and he tried to help God manifest that word, and he slept with Hagar and birthed Ishmael. And out of Ishmael became Israel's biggest enemy. Out of Ishmael, if you know, he birthed the Muslim nation, the Muslim faith. So if God spoke, stand on his word. Amen. Look at verse 18. So Abraham said, excuse me, verse 19. I, I can kind of just visualize God seeing Abraham's answer. He's like, no, do not try and help me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. He said, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You'll name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting Covenant. So this is what you got to know. If God said it, he'll perfect it. If God said it, he will perform the word. But he won't perform the worm necessarily right now. Yeah. And that's got to be okay. Can you be okay in waiting? Has anyone here ever had a pray uh, prayer not answered and now hindsight, you're thankful? <laughs> Just a couple of y'all would preach over here. Right? As I'm going to talk to you, Holy Spirit. If you have prayed a prayer that you're thankful and in hindsight you see that God did not answer, you'll know that what? His timing was perfect. Because if he would have gave you what you asked for, it would have been the wrong thing. How many of us are praying for the thing that we think we need to happen, and God's like, no, no, no. Just as he said to Abraham, no, I want to do it this way. God's God. I'm just Ian. If we can be good with that, God can move in and through 
our lives and we can experience peace in the waiting and we can experience grace and favor in the waiting. So don't give up. It's never too late. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. And me and Pastor Jessica, I feel like we have, we're blessed. As I said, we got two baby boys, another baby in the oven. I feel like we have a lot of friends that are struggling to have a baby. And they've tried and they've tried and we've prayed over them and we've anointed them and we've encouraged them and we spoke hope over them. And really, we're just on the outside looking in and I can't really say I know what they're going through. But, but, but I know when we meet with them, it's like you can sense it. It's probably the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, they're, every time they believe and then, then they're let down. And, and every time they're, oh, I'm going to try again and they believe and, and they get let down. And every time I feel like the enemy just begins to just, just chink away at the hope, right? And so I want you, if you're here today and you're struggling to have a baby, I, I want you to know you cannot lose hope. Because God makes the impossible possible. And I know I'm just standing here from a pulpit preaching, but I hope that invades your heart. Because if, if Abraham can conceive at 100 and Sarah can conceive at 90, why can't you conceive now? Believe and receive and watch God work. Amen? Let's look at that next one. That third, that third mother we're going to look at is Leah. She represents the forgotten mother. She reminds us that God's love can reach us and transform our lives. Even when the world rejects us, God accepts us and offers hope. If you don't remember the story of Leah, she was one of Jacob's wives. Jacob really wanted Rachel. And Leah represents the forgotten mother because really in a roundabout way, Jacob took her for granted. You know, the Word of God has layers. As we get ready to read this passage here in a moment, we're going to give you the Reader's Digest version of the story of Leah, Jacob, and Rachel, and Laban. I feel like oftentimes we read the Scriptures kind of from where we're at, where I'm at spiritually, where I'm at seasonally. And so I've read this Scripture a bunch of times, and I always read it from the perspective of a man, probably because I am one. Right? And I always feel bad for Jacob. I'm like, man, Laban, man, Laban really kind of screwed you, Jacob. He, he got 14 years of work out of you, and he, he wronged you. And as I read and studied the scripture this week, the Lord just showed me a whole different perspective of, the, of, of Leah's perspective and how she was going forgotten. And I want to share this also. You know, the enemy is always at work in our lives. And I feel like the enemy, he attacks men and women the same in a lot of a lot of times, in a lot of ways, oftentimes he attacks men where we're vulnerable at is us, uh, you know, at, at our vulnerable place of us trying to prove that we are men, that we're capable, that we, we, we compare ourselves to our fathers and to other men. And we, we are constantly trying to prove, am I a man? Have I made it? Am I capable of doing this? And, and the enemy attacks us in that way. And the, the Lord just showed me this week, I feel like a lot of women the, the enemy attacks you in this way of you feeling forgotten. No one sees what I'm doing. No one's thankful for the things that I'm doing. Right? If only they could see. And so if you're a woman here today and you feel like you are forgotten, you have to believe and know that God sees you. Right? When you get married, the man and the wife, it's all about each other. 
and then you begin to have kids, and oftentimes women feel like their husband has forgot them. Why? Because the kids have become everything. And I think women struggle with that. I for, he, doesn't, he doesn't pursue me like he used to. It's because y'all have three babies running all over the house. Right? It's not that he doesn't love you. It's not that he's not attracted to you. It's the enemy trying to divide you. Do you see that? And to kill, steal, and destroy and rob you of your authority and of your ministry and of that gift of being a mother because the mother's love transforms lives, y'all. The father's love transforms life. But if you are a mother, your love can transform a life. My mother's love transformed my life. I'm here because my mother never gave up on me. A lot of you are here because your mother never gave up on you. And I'm thankful. So you are not forgotten, amen? You matter. Don't let the devil tell you you don't matter. So let, let, let's read this scripture. We've got about six or seven verses. I want to roll right through them. We're gonna, like I said, we're going to give you the Reader's Digest version of Jacob, Rachel, Leah, and Laban. Let's look at there at verse 20. We'll go through 21. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Man, he was in love. He loved her so much, he worked for her for seven years, and it just flew by. Finally, the time came to him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. But when Jacob woke in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged at Laban? I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? So Jacob agreed to work seven more years, a week after Jacob had married Leah. Excuse me. Laban gave him Rachel too. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more. That's what jumped out to me this week. He loved her much more than Leah. You have to know that Leah saw that, felt that, experienced that, the rejection. And that's where God wants to meet us. He said, he stayed and worked for Laban for the additional seven years. Verse 31, when the Lord saw Leah was unloved, look at this, he opened her womb. He, Leah experienced divine grace and favor because she was unloved. And God covered her and drew her, drew her close to him and really favored her with all the blessings. So if you feel rejected, forgotten, or unloved, God sees you, and you have God's favor, that same favor. I tell the Holly Pond campus all the time, favor ain't fair. If you got God's favor, there ain't nothing out there. There ain't nothing the world can throw at you. Come on, can I get it? Amen. Right? Because you got God's favor. You can get the job faster than anybody else because you're doing it God's way. You can have divine increase financially because you're doing it different than the world. They're doing it God's way. There's divine favor. It ain't fair. And so if you feel forgotten, you got to know that that same favor is over you. I just declare and release that divine favor. If you want God's favor, just raise your hand in this place. Put something in the chat. Man, ain't nobody holding their hands back. Lord, I just ask that you would release that divine favor over all these mothers. Anybody forgotten, anybody rejected, that divine favor over us today. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, say amen. 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 Let's look at that next, that next mother from Scripture today. We're going to look at Jacobed. She represents a sacrificial mother. Who knows who Jacobed is? Just a couple of you. You're going to learn something today. Jacobed is Moses' mother, right? Moses' mother. She teaches us that we can trust God and take care of our children and the people we love even when we can't. 
And really, isn't that the hardest thing I think all of us parents experience, will experience? See, our babies are real young, but I know a lot of you have an empty nest. And so one day, we have to trust that we've trusted God, we've done all that we could. While they still live under the comforts of home, I have to release them into the world. Right? That's, that's, that's a part of sacrificial love. And that's really the amazing story of Jacobet is she fact sacrificed her relationship as Moses' mother to release him so that he could have a chance. She loved his life more than all the precious minutes, hours, moments she was going to lose as his mother so that he might have a chance. And God had a plan and purpose for Moses even though she, by faith, had to release her baby into the Nile River, God still had a plan. She had to trust that God still had a plan. She didn't know that God was going to use Moses to bring the nation of Israel out of captivity, write the Ten Commandments, do all the things that he did. But at the end of the day, she had to, by faith, trust. And it's the same for you and for me. We have to, by faith, trust. If we're doing all that we can, you still have to trust God. And when you've done all you can do and you still don't know what to do, you still have to trust God. And so let me encourage you, if you have babies in your house or growing children in your home still, are you doing all that you can do to, to raise them in truth while you still have them? Because one day they are going to leave. And are they going to be able to stand? Hey, and I hope you don't just depend on Liberty Church, children's ministry, to do that job for you. Is that one hour on Sunday morning the only time they hear about Jesus the rest of the week? Because that ain't going to work. Don't depend on the church to do the, the job God calls you to do. The church is supposed to come alongside you and help you. We'll do all we can. But only you can do the job of a parent. Amen? Let's read the story in Exodus. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. I'm going to try to get through this real quick here. Verse 1. So about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. She was able to keep him hidden for three months. See, the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh declared death to all the baby boys in the nation of, of Israelites because they were outnumbering Egypt, the Egyptians. Right? So she kept him as long as she could, but she could no longer hide him, so she got a basket made of pappas reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds among the, the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it. When the princess opened it, she saw a baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought the baby back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son, and the princess named Moses the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. 
we can all learn from this, this Jacobed's stunning faith is that we have to trust and know that God, even when it, I don't understand, when I don't see, when I can't comprehend, that God still has a plan. And guess what? He perfected it. He perfected the plan and vision over Moses, over the nation of Israel, and God blessed her faith. Amen? So look at that next one. Next point for today. We're going to talk about Naomi real quick. Naomi comes from the story of the book of Ruth, and we're going to read that account here in a moment too. But she represents the spiritual mother. And that teaches us there is more than one way to be a mother. A barren womb or a tragic loss doesn't eliminate you from motherhood. Spiritual mothers fill the gap and raise the next generation. There are hurting, broken people all over the world that are in need of not just God and not just a spiritual father, but a spiritual mother. And so just because maybe you can't have kids or you haven't had kids yet, or you find yourself at the tail end of your life maybe and you're searching for purpose, if God has done anything, I say anything, in here, in your life, over your life, you know God's word and you have a testimony and you have gifts and talents for the kingdom of God, God wants to use you to impart that to someone else. Amen? God uses spiritual fathers and mothers to fill in the gaps. See, not everyone has a mother that is godly. They're, it's sad to say, some mothers, they put their kids up for adoption. Praise God they had them. Some mothers pass away early, God forbid, and kids are, are, are raised by grandparents, by aunts and uncles. And so God, he wants to use spiritual mothers to impart truth and to raise people up. And he does that by sending people into our lives. And so if there's someone you feel like the Lord has sent into your life, you need to pray and ask, God, are you wanting to do something more in me? Are they behind you, so to speak? I'm not saying you're better than them, but you're older, you're wiser, you've kind of been there, done that, right? You've, you've gone through the tests and trials that they may currently be going through, and God wants to use you to do what? To encourage them and to impart wisdom and truth and faith and hope and love and to comfort. And that's what mothers do the best at, is comforting and loving their helpers, right, others. And that's what a spiritual mother does. She loves others just as she would love her own children. And so look at Ruth 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 5, and then we're going to read verses 14 through 16. And so let's just read it. It says, Then Amalek died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married a Moabite woman. One married a woman named Oprah, and the other named Ruth. About 10 years later, both Malon and Kelon died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. I want to stop there for a moment before I read the next passage. So in biblical times, the lowest of lowest of lows you could be in society, basically the poorest, the poorest of poorest, is you being a single woman without a husband, without kids. Because that was just the lowest of the lowest of the lows. There's nothing you could really, you couldn't own property. You basically would have to probably be some kind of slave. And so this is where we find Naomi. She had two, she had two boys, they died, and now their, their daughters are about to leave. And so let's, let, let's pick up here, verse 14. And so then they wept together, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, Naomi, goodbye, and Ruth clung to her tightly. 
But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Verse 15, it says, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But look what Ruth says. Look how she responds. She responds in faith, and she honors her mother-in-law. She says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you live, I'll live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She honored her mother, her mother-in-law, and I really feel like they needed each other. Naomi was probably feeling purposeless, and God gave her Ruth so that she could still have a purpose, and she could still help and lead and guide Ruth, and Ruth was without her husband, and she was needy also. And so God wanted to bring them together to bring about his perfect plan. And if you read the rest of the story, you know that Ruth goes on to, to meet and, and marry Boaz. But that's only because of the leadership and the counsel and the wisdom of Naomi. Because she's the one that helped her find favor by working out in the fields. And if I studied this week, and Dr. Forrest, if you're in the house, you can, you can check my genealogy. Ruth is actually King David's great-great-grandmother. Can I get an amen? And so God had a plan, and I believe God honored Ruth because of her faith, not just because her name was Ruth. I'm going to preach this Holy Spirit. I oftentimes feel like I'm in someone else's shoes. You have a gift, you have a calling, but you may have that gift and calling only because you've been faithful. If you become unfaithful, God will find somebody else. As we just talked about King David, King David took King Saul's place because King Saul was called. He was anointed. He was appointed. But what happened? He was unfaithful. And so God had a plan. So if you're doing something for God, stay faithful. Amen, that was for free. All right, look at that next one. I better wrap this up. I got to be in Holly Pond on time. I have to skip all this good stuff. That's our last one, actually. Mary. We're going to end with Mary, right? The mother of the Messiah. Look what she represents. She represents the Savior, teaches us how to, by faith and obedience, that we can receive the Word of God and deliver the Word of God into the world. When I think about Mary, we're going to read her account also, and just her response and the message that the angel brings her, you are going to, you're a virgin, and you are going to become pregnant, and you are going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Talk about some pressure. The Messiah, right? I'm beginning to start having some doubts. I probably have some questions. And she just responds in faith. She responds in action and in faith. And for us to think of this. In John 1, 1, the Apostle John, this, the one that Jesus loved, describes Jesus as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and He came and He dwelt among flesh, among men. Before, get this, you got to get this in your spirit, before Mary could deliver the Word, she had to receive the Word. Can I get an Amen. See, she had to receive what God said first before she could deliver the word. Let me take it a little deeper. Before you can do what God's called you to do, 
you first have to believe. What has God called you to do? What's the last thing he told you? Do you believe? If you can believe and receive the word, then you can deliver the word. The blessing of God can be manifested. Amen? The blessing of God's manifestation maybe is based according to our faith. What would Jesus say after he healed all the people in the Gospels? Oftentimes he would say, no, it was your faith. Get up and go. It was your faith that has healed you. They received something before the miracle. Mary's no different. She had to receive the message before she could deliver the message. And Jesus is the message, y'all. Can I get an amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Look at Luke 1, through 26 to 35. That in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel of Nazareth to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of the king David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. There's that favor. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Lord God gave him the throne of the ancestor David and will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and will be called the Son of God. And this is what I love. Look at her response. Verse 37. For with God, nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Put that in the chat. Capital, nothing will be impossible. Guys, maybe we need to take that word impossible and pluck it from our vocabulary. With God, everything is possible. And look what she says. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the maid servant of the Lord. She's saying, Use me however you, you see fit. You know better, God. When's the last time you said, God, use me as you, you see fit. You know better. And this is what I love. She said, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She said, let it be. Let it be. When you're going through something tough, something confusing, another attack, you're going through this and now this is messed up. You're going through this and now the enemy's attacking you. You have to get still. You got to say, let it be, God, according to your will, just as Mary responded. Now, I'm not advocating any, any Disney movies or anything like that, but there's a Disney movie called Frozen. It's called, let it go, let it go, right? Maybe we need to just say, let it be, let it be. I know that's cheesy and corny, but watch, you're going to do it this week because <laughs> you're going to find yourself in some trouble. And I'm not speaking death over you, amen, but you're going to be, uh, let it be, find the joy of the Lord, right? Let it be according to your word. And if you can receive the word on the front end, then on the back end, you can deliver the word. Can I get an amen? God wants you to receive so that you can deliver and come out on the end of what God wants to do in and through your life. Amen? Amen. Y'all pray with me as we get ready to close. And so if you're here in the sanctuary or you're joining us online, I know we talked a lot about mothers, and I, I hope you mothers feel honored cherished and celebrated today. We love you. But if you're here today or watching us online and 
as we're preaching and teaching, maybe the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. I don't know what you're going through. But if you feel like the Lord is dealing with your heart, and, and you and God are just not on good terms right now, you, you've been your own God. You're just doing you, what, what you think's best, your ways, your words. If, if, if the Holy Spirit, if God doesn't have a say in your life, if he doesn't lead you where to go or lead you what to say, that, that means you're, you're probably not in a relationship with God. It takes daily cultivation. And so if you say, Pastor Ian, I want to change that today. I need help. I need Jesus to invade my life and invade my heart because I'm, I'm a wreck. I'm not happy. I don't have hope. I don't have joy. Man, I got good news for you. That can change right now. Let it be according to his will over your life. I believe somebody's going to accept Jesus today. If you're here in the sanctuary, we had all of our eyes closed and bowed. We're actually praying for you right now. I want you either to lift your hand up or stand up right now and say, hey, that's me. I want to pray to accept Jesus. I need the Spirit of God in my life. I'm going to give you a few moments. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat. If you're making that decision, say, hey, I'm praying this. I'm believing for God to, to help me and save me. Amen. A few more moments. Change your life forever. Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father and his heavenly hosts. Amen. Amen. No one is standing or raising their hand, but somebody could be making a decision online. So I want to lead us all in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you, and we thank you. We accept your son, Jesus, and we believe that he's the Savior of the world, the Savior of my soul. I confess that he is Lord of my life. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sins. And send your Holy Spirit to lead my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus a big hand clap. So awesome. Who's glad you came to church today? And we're glad you came to church today too. Praise God.